Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. And Per. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out that the big, strong person backing you up, nobody's ever heard of. You're the priest of what again? Huh? You mean I got to get the clean robes out again because people believe in me? Oh, jeez. Uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Uh, this week, we are talking about Forgotten Gods. Uh, specifically in the Bureau 13 game, but it really doesn't matter. It's for any game that has, you know, if you have a game that has gods in it, uh, especially ones that are might be set in the modern day or even the future uh, setting, then you have to deal with people's religious points of view. Uh, there was a lot of gods in Babylon 5, uh, for example. So, uh, and... What uh, what can happen if you if you postulate and accept the existence of gods is that there may be gods that people don't know what they are. They you know they, they, sometimes they refer to them as mystery gods. Sometimes they uh, refer to them uh, as ancient gods. But mostly what we refer what we're talking about is forgotten gods. Okay, and uh, and to draw the distinction. What is an old, uh, what is an old god? You know, uh, any of the the what would would be considered a present religion that whose god existed from prehistory. Oh, so mm. like Yahweh. Okay. Uh -huh. Yahweh's not a name for God yeah. and Jehovah. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. But there are lots of gods. That, I mean, you know, uh, all um, uh, Vishu, uh, all the gods of of, of the uh, Hindu religion. Um, yeah. uh, many of the gods of uh, Japanese religion. Okay, certainly the gods of the Amer uh, American Native American religions. Yeah. Okay, so these they, they've been around a long, long time. People still believe in them. People still worship them. So they're what we would call old gods. And of course, the new gods are ones that have come into existence. You know, uh, recently. Uh, you know air quotes, you know, <laughs> and, you know, they usually show up in literature and, and, and urban fantasy and things like that, like gods of technology, god, urban gods, or mm -hmm. things like that. So, uh, all right, so then, uh, to so a forgotten god, okay, is, you know, is a god, is, is like an old god. It's been around for a very, very long time. It's just that no one believes in them anymore. And sometimes it, it, there's a lot of reasons why this happens. Sometimes it's you know the so this this group comes in and you know and smashes another country, kills off all, destroys all the temples, kills all the priests, tells everybody you can't worship that god, can't even speak the name of your god. Hundred years later, no one remembers those gods anymore. They're all worshiping the the gods of their um, uh, conquerors. Gods, you know, those gods could theoretically just be gone. Uh, you know, they, they're not gone, gone in the sense that if, if someone chased you out of town, you didn't cease to exist, but nobody might remember you, and therefore no one's worshiping you and things like that. Um, it's also possible that that literally, you know, um, you you got forgotten. You know, just time. <laughs> you know, it, it happens. Okay, and um, and as a really good example of that. Uh, actually, I don't have it. It's not an example, but a, a, a type. Uh, you know, uh, Trav, that the uh, Romans had tons and tons of household gods, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what were all their names? Uh, yeah. See, I know that they existed. I just, I mean, well, yeah. I know that a lot of the Roman gods were just basically co-opted from the Greek civilization. Yeah. Like, Zeus became Jupiter, Aphrodite became Venus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apollo. Right. But yeah. there were still lots and lots of little household gods, okay? And mm -hmm. um, and 
and, and but but we remember uh, yeah we remember Zeus we remember Hera we remember a Jupiter we remember Apollo you know those things are still in our mental zeitgeist okay so therefore yeah. they're not forgotten but there's a lot of gods that people don't remember anymore except of course for scholars and things like that mm-hmm. so uh, as a matter of fact is that if you uh, we ran into it recently. Uh, in our our Bureau 13 game where uh, they went into this underwater city and their city in the middle of the temple was Poseidon. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my players says, Bruce, um, you know that I'm a a paladin of Themis, right? And I said, yes. And he says, and you know that Themis is a, um, she's a titan. And I'm like, yeah. He says, I'm my, the woman, uh, the the lady I worship is his mom. Oh, so the the player in character wanted to try to pull rank. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, and of course, and of course, you know, she says. But the point was, is that here was this connection that nobody else in the game realized was there. I didn't exactly remember it either, so I, I went with it. He goes, he says, "I'm so so with Themis," and he and he, and so Poseidon says, "Really, how's mom doing?" Considering that she's supposed to be dead, yeah. <laughs> so they have this nice little chat, you know. And um, not going to go into it, but uh, the point is, is that in this story, there are you know there could be other gods. For example, you know who uh, the sons of uh, Hades, uh, the other Titans, all these people that no one remembers anymore except scholars and such, and certainly nobody's worshiping them. So they could, in the game like Bureau 13, still exist, but they become forgotten gods. They lose, you know, they, they don't have, you know, they lose power for a number of reasons, uh, especially if you, in your game, you believe that gods have power because they have worshipers. Well, okay, which yeah. is what it which brings basically up to the description that's in the Bureau 13 book, which is that uh, they, you know, that the, the gods of ancient religions are still around, brooding their fate and wondering why they've been abandoned. And sometimes they'll start a drive for membership, which always ends badly. Lost gods, um, or, you know, uh, or forgotten gods command old magics that are no longer powerful enough to do godlike feats or damage. And in the uh, in the D20 edition, that's all they that's pretty much where we left it. But in the uh, 1992 edition said there was a 25% to be able to cast any spell that was, you know, they wanted to be able to cast, meaning that they had a 25% chance. Their banes were disbelief and artifact. And their hit points were 400 plus, which for reference, arc demons have 600 plus. So they're not even as powerful as arch demons or arch demons, whichever way you want to yeah. say it. And their temperament is 25, which means they're always cranky. Oh, that's right. For temperament, <laughs> the lower the score, the crankier they were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or how, how tractable, how helpful and friendly they were. <laughs> you want my help? You're going to have to, you know, okay. So, uh, give me a TV show. Maybe we'll help. Right. And, yeah. uh, and 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 Bureau Thirteen actually created uh, a forgotten god uh, that's part of the uh, the enemies or whatever. Uh, Jonathan, do you know anything about Goshnar? Oh, Goshnar! He's one of those things from beyond that landed on Earth mm-hmm. and um, you know started the whole conquering the world, subjugating everybody, and the ancient cavemen having something better to do or a thousand things better to do, decided to just, you know, wipe it, wipe him out. Well, they didn't so, wipe him out. No, they, they didn't they wipe, wipe... They, they didn't, wiped out his minions. His, his spawn, yes. His and, spawn. He would he would implant some kind of gooey thing into the spine of a, of a human, which would turn them into a hulking monstrosity that would go out and, you know, try to take over the land. But yeah. um, they, he was he's a very ineffective god. <laughs> yeah, so he he took a little nap for a little while, and I think woke up during the Roman ages, the yep. Roman era, and right. the Romans, again having better things to do, decided to you know stop him again. Right, and, and so he so, slept another two thousand years and yeah, woke up in long. modern day. Yeah, where the bureau had a you know basically got to do it, and it says that he's now suffering from insomnia, which means he can't sleep, which means he's actually a constant threat. 
<laughs> but nobody, no well, but people hardly ever use it in their games. But anyways, the point is he's still a god. He's he's impossible to kill. You know, you you, you at best you can you know might be able to banish him or something for a while. You know, he always comes back. So uh, so he's a good example, I think, of a forgotten god. He's not he, he's he's a a problem. He's not terribly powerful, but at the same time, he's not somebody you can just ignore. So, yeah. but anyways, let's go back to. Uh, oh, oh, let me give you what uh, uh, one more example of how gods become forgotten gods. In uh, uh, have you ever heard uh, Travis? Have you ever heard of the, or I should say, Fur, since you're our expert here? You ever heard of Zorazm? Zoroastrians? It rings a bell, but it's Egyptian. Zora, yeah. uh, Zoroaster uh, was like this, you know, uh, he, he was a guy that basically came up with, you know, with this, with ideas about religion. Uh, the, the Egyptians had tons and tons of gods. Okay, but he, but this guy Zora, uh, Zoroaster wanted, he thought there should be one, one God, a supreme being. And he wanted a monotheistic religion in the middle of a polytheistic culture, which is mm -hmm. which is huge cojones. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, you got some serious, serious, you know, uh, entitlement and uh, immunity to pull this one off. Okay, but he basically did. He said, "There's one supreme deity, Ahura uh, uh, Mazda," uh, and. He, and he, what he said was, is that all the other gods that you guys are all worshiping, because they basically felt that they're, what, the one god couldn't take care of everything, so they, they had all these other gods for all these other things. He said they're different aspects of him, so they were referred to as emanations of him. Yeah. So all the entire pantheon of deities was demoted to being emanations of Ahura Mazda. And yeah. Therefore, they all go away, theoretically. I mean, if you believe this, if you accept this, then you know that you only really have to worship the one guy because if you worship, you can still worship your favorite version of him, but it's still the one guy. So in case, if that was wrong, okay, then all these gods just became forgotten gods. I, yeah, see, it, it, it's another instance of one religion trying to co-opt another. He just used a different thing, a little bit easier to try to get them in. Yeah, you can, this aspect, yeah, yeah, it's still my guy, but he decided to cut, you make this aspect to create, you know, the sun, you know, Ra, or fertility, which I think was um, Isis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it just, it, it's another example of one religion trying to co-opt another religion's right. And, th and this was done from the inside, you know, I mean, essentially he, you know, he was Egyptian, you know, he yeah. was part of yeah. the Egyptian culture, but he managed to pull not, this off. So not an outside conqueror trying to right. justify their religion and or just and coming in and forcing you to worship an alien God, yeah. you know, foreign yeah. God. Yeah. You know, Baal, uh, you know, in the um, uh, in the Mideast, you know, that was a huge God at one time and nobody. I haven't heard. Yeah. I haven't heard about any big, you know, uh, worshiping a ball uh, recently. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, so uh, this is, I guess, where we we, we go to you for, uh, because uh, you're you're basically an expert on all these uh, other gods, and so we have like you know a list of ones like Greek and Roman, Celtic, Norse. Asian, African, and Native American. So, uh, you know, tell us about, you know, the gods that you know of that are, you know, are basically no longer worshipped. Um, if I may, Bruce, real quick, just to get, because we didn't really introduce her. Sure, just, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, please do. Okay. Um, folks, you've heard me talk about her repeatedly. And yes, it was all nice. Settle down. Boy, yeah. give me that look. Uh-huh. Um, this is my girlfriend, Jennifer Spore, a.k.a. Fur. She, you, you've heard me talk about her in the campaigns. I refer to her as the radio wife for my show on Dementia Radio. Yeah. And because she, until very recently, she and a mutual friend of ours, Cynthia Day, did a podcast. And it was available on Podbean for a while called It Makes You Think. Yeah, we're going to bring it back up. I, I've, been, I've been waiting because, like I, I said, you, you two have done fantastic work mm -hmm. with it. 
And yeah. basically, it was about religion, spirituality, history, psychology, psychology, sociology, mythos. Yeah. I mean, I walked into her house one time, and there was just like a stack of like eight books that they were researching for that day's topic. Mm-hmm. So when Bruce and Jonathan and I decided, yeah, why don't we do this particular one on our list? Mm-hmm. I, I said, okay, no, it, it, no, she, she would be perfect for this. And it's, I, I have been on her podcast four times. Mm-hmm on various subjects. So, yeah, it, it, it's kind of, oh, no, no, you can set that. I mean, she's heard the episodes that we've done, mm-hmm. so, I mean, she's familiar with it. But, yeah, I just felt that she would be more than eminently qualified, let's say, to be an wow. SME on here. Okay. Well, great. So, well, so uh, let, let, uh, give it to us, Jennifer. What, uh, what is, uh, give us some examples of some forgotten gods that you're aware of. Well, a lot of the times with so-called forgotten gods it's because they aren't um worshipped as openly as a lot of the major religions um i do know still a lot of people that do worship some of these gods like odin oh yes the neo-norse religion known as satru yes yes okay i want to make sure i pronounce um you know like hermes uh hermes was the god of um Oh, there's so many Travel. of them. Travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he was a bard of some sorts, too. Um, God of trade, thieves, and travelers, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and of course, the Greek Romans, um, the Celtic gods, yes. And um, although most of the people that worship the Gaelic or Celtic gods do lean more towards the female aspects, the goddesses, mm-hmm. like Bridget. Um, it, they're, it, for each um, god or goddess that you would want to bring up, you would have to do your own research on it and bring it up because there are so many crossovers. Um because it would be almost impossible to bring up, you know, to name off every single one. So let, let me give you an example, okay? Uh, as a, as a very a good adventure that could be used for, in Bureau 13, uh, for low-level characters. So uh, somebody basically, the fire department is called because somebody basically Im- immolated uh, in, a, um, in a living room. Okay, kind of the uh, opposite of my Daniel Stewart adventure where the guy drowns in his living room. Uh, and they go in there and, and they're like, you know, this guy is like burnt up. You know, he's he's like, you know, all, you know, like he caught on fire and really burned, but like not like, you know, a person like their clothing can catch on fire and they get like second and maybe some three, third degree burns and they're unconscious because of the injury and stuff like that. Or it might have actually passed on to the rest of the house and house goes up and they find the corpse all. Okay, no, just, you know, the rest of the house is fine. It didn't spread anywhere. It just burned this guy up. Okay. And this guy turns is, is a burglar has broken into this house and this happens. Well, you know, what's happened is, is that there's a God of the hearth that was attached to some kind of Roman uh, uh, artifact, or, uh, you know, a, a urn or something like that, that the people who live there, you know, inherited or they went on a trip and actually bought it over in uh, Rome or something like that. They brought it back and the and they set this thing up on the mantle over their fireplace and the god that was actually inside the urn, the god of the hearth, jumps into their fireplace. And decides to protect the house when this when this guy comes in, this this, this burglar comes in. Mm-hmm. I do like that example. That is good. Where right, and and so the 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 team comes in, tries to figure out what's going on, and eventually probably comes, you know, after they investigate enough, finally comes, you know, to convince the entity that's in the fireplace, you know, that. Because, uh, you know, you bring the priest, priest tries an exorcism, doesn't work because, you know, it's not it's not a, a demonic creature. It's not whatever, you know. Uh, 
And I mean, they could theoretically burn the entire house down or destroy the house, and that would get rid of the, yeah. it, would force it to go somewhere else. But let's say they go and they actually go and try talking to it somehow, you know, and it talks to them and explains who it is. This would be one of those good examples where you'd say, well, you know, just because you find a supernatural, even if it's done harm, it doesn't mean that it is something that you need to destroy. It's perfectly happy being in this fireplace, it's protecting the house. It's not burning down anything as long as somebody doesn't come in with malicious intent. It's probably better to just leave it alone. Just let the people who live there know what's going on so that, you know, they can make the proper uh, sacrifices as necessary, you know, to yeah. keep the God happy, you know, and go on to their next more important mission because there's lots more important missions than uh, trying to uh, uh, dig out an intractable God from, from the hearth. <laughs> and Well, yeah. I, I, I did mention this today. I was explaining to somebody at Bureau 13 that oftentimes the agents have to, if they fit a niche in whatever ecosystem or niche in society that they're in, a creature or whatever, the Bureau will leave it there because I explained about when, you know, 1929, the, the high minister from hell was running Wall Street. Oh, we're going to vanquish this demon and we get the Great Depression. Right. So, yeah, it'd be something like that because trying to remove it from this house and just destroying it may cause bigger problems. Like you said, oh, we're going to do an exorcism. Well, then it becomes somebody else's problem and you're just moving across town to deal with this now. So, yeah. Right. Because it's not going to go back to hell. It didn't come from there. Right. So the best you yeah. could do would be get it out of the house where it's going to go find a residence somewhere else. And now it's really PO'd. And, it's, and it may actually become more of a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's got a mat on. So, you know, and all of a sudden now you've got fires breaking out in the, in, uh, in the, uh, in, in, in possibly the worst part of the city for fires to break out. And anyone who looks like a government agent is suddenly toasted. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. Uh, he says, you know, the god, the god of the homeless. They're all staying around one of those uh, 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 trash, trash fires. You know, in the in, in the in the fifty five gallon barrel. Yeah, you know, police come by. He says, you guys got to get out of here. The <laughs> <laughs> fire jumps out and leaps through the open car door, cop car door window. Splo yeah. Exploding police yeah. cars. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, we got a B movie here right in the making. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's all because somebody wouldn't leave it alone when it was in this nice brownstone, you know, enjoying itself, you know, in, in <laughs> this nice little homey environment that it wanted to be in because it's a god of the hearth, you know, just wanted a family to watch over, you know, to, and to be worshipped by, you know? So yeah, it's good. It's good to hit players with that sort of thing and knocks them down a notch, and it lets them realize that sometimes you know shooting something isn't the only solution. You know, it's, yeah. It's, you know, if you want to play with real fire, um, Coatlicue, I, I, is it Coatlicue? Yeah, yeah, the South uh, South American god. Yep, Aztec civilizations right. of Central America or Central Mexico. It was both the creator and the destroyer of Earth. Well, it's kind of like Shiva. Yes. In a way, yeah. Hindu, and, yeah. Yeah. She is multi-faced. She would be very intimidating. With, as she had a necklace made of human hearts and skeletons. That's why they kept sacrificing them. Here's some more hearts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some pretty drooly. Please keep away. And she's yeah. the good god. Well, uh, you want to keep her on your side right. because she can make or break you. So. Yeah, yeah, literally and figuratively. Yes, yeah. yeah. All right. So this she is this is purely have... an appeasement, then. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, she is said to have given birth to both the moon and the stars, and she given birth to the moon and the stars, and she's the creator of all other gods. She was. So she was the matriarch, the head of the Aztec pantheon. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. What, what are some others? Oh, Krishna. Krishna, yeah. Ah, yes. Had a big resurgence in the uh, 70s and 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I actually used to have a friend whose name was Krishna. Oh, okay. And had 16,000 wives. But he was considered to be a good god. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how intimidating that would be. Well, well. 
uh, he was the god of love and power, but love and power could be used in yeah. really interesting ways. Yeah, right. see, that's the thing. The, the, the concepts of good and evil for well, deities, mm-hmm. their morality is much different than, say, us humans. So yeah, their concepts, yeah. Good means I'll give you a quick death, you know, that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, 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 and of course, love and power can be corrupted horribly. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to get this couple together, and then, you know, the old saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, and everything goes yeah. south from there. Right. Well, you know, gods, because they're gods, when you have gods interacting with each other, which is also you know something we should probably talk about, because gods are immortal and, and, some, and a lot, mostly eternal, uh, uh, mean that they don't change, they'll get old, or things like that, um, they... You can't, you know, you can't punish them the way you'd punish a normal person. Like, you know, I mean, you could theoretically, you know, uh, you know, lock them away forever. Okay, but you know, maybe the god, you actually want the god to be around. You just want them to stop doing things. So you do things to punish them. Like you cut open their bellies and fill them full of red hot rocks and sew it back up again and make them walk around like that for a while. Or you take somebody and uh, have it, you know, have a big eagle, you know, cutting out his, li- eating out his liver. You know, it's not supposed to be forever. It's supposed to be for a while, long, in godly terms. You know, and it's to punish them, saying, "Don't do that anymore." The kind of cruel. Ter- if you see, if you if you have people that have this kind of mindset, okay, to that this is how you deal with punishment, and then they turn around and they look at humans and they apply the same standards or methodologies with humans, then you get like massacres. Because humans are not made of such stu- uh, tough stuff. Yeah. Right. But We're not used to having our livers picked out every morning. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not anymore. Anyways. Um, I gave that up for Lent. Yeah. But the best way to punish a god is to take away their power by diminishing their... Um, worshiper base. Worshiper base. Yeah. Because what's what good is it going to be if you could live forever and nobody cares about you? And you have nothing there. And it's not even as good as being in exile, because if you're in exile and people still talk of you, you still have some kind of base. You still have something there. People still talk, still talk of Zeus and Jupiter. And yeah, they're all over all kinds of um, media, media type. Yeah. Um, Cartoons, culture, books, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Modern day culture and yeah. everything. People may not worship them, like leave, you know, offerings to them like they used to. But the fact is, is that they're still in in written form and they're still spoke of. I will give you a perfect example for, and it's something that my coworker Derek talked about. There is something on Netflix that is anime called Record of Ragnarok. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple. Okay, of yeah. Basically, they do these things. Oh, we're gonna have this human with a Valkyrie that can turn into a god harming weapon against a deity. So you're having Zeus against someone from history. Mm-hmm. And that person from history has the God-harming weapon. So yeah, we may not worship these deities, but they have become such a part of our popular culture. Mm-hmm. We've had, what, two Clash of the Titans movies, yeah. which depict Greek mythology. And I think the second mm-hmm. one had a sequel. It was Clash of the Titans, I think, Battle of the Titans or something like I, that. I yeah. don't know. There were yeah. two different ones. They, they, yeah. they, they were remakes. Well, I know that the Harry Hamlin one back from the 80s with Lawrence Olivier Zeus, and then there were two, uh, Sam Worthington from Avatar and Liam Neeson as Zeus, where he yells, release the Kraken. That was a Clash of the Titans, and then they did a sequel to that. So we still talk about these gods today. Now, depending on how you run your game and how you deem gods in Bureau 13, there, of course, the the thing, all stories are true. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Do you have your gods retain power by just being mentioned and remembered, or must they have an active worshiper base? I think in my game, I would have it be if people remember them and mention them and, and they are become pop culture, they get a little power. Yeah. But it's not as nearly as good as actual true belief and true worship. Oh, right, right, right. Right. Um, well, that's why it says that sometimes they go on a membership drive and it always ends up badly. <laughs> yeah, 
But the thing is, is that the best way to diminish one or to punish one is to completely obliviate them from um, any spoken or written word. Mm -hmm. So any actions that they would make, therefore, uh, henceforth, would be considered like acts, uh, you know, UFO sightings or something. It would be considered unexplainable. Nobody would say, oh, Zeus did that. So and so did this. Apollo, you know, shook this up, you know, and all this stuff. That was Mars, the god of war, that caused this. No, they would just sign it off to. And that is the beautiful. Yeah, that is the beautiful thing about the bureau. They have a wonderful disinformation department. Yeah, and which Evelyn has had to call upon. Yeah, yeah, let's cover this up here. Yeah, yeah. So they can do that, and it's like, yeah. Once we just make it where the public believes that it was fictional that didn't happen or it was you know some cover-up or make some excuse yeah the god, god would loses. disappear yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he would have nothing it would be like a lonely old hermit stuck in his bedroom with you know nothing to do but yell at his dog yeah um as I'm far getting as a picture now yes of yeah. odin in the north countryside arguing with his dog well, I'm just thinking of Courage the Get Cowardly dog. dog. The old the old man is, is Odin. <laughs> um, as far as because the OGL version is the last known Bureau 13 version, I do have a couple of publications for OGL, which means either 3.0, 3.5, D20 Modern, or Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. I have two publications which deal with gods and their levels of power and how to administer that in games. One of them is done, and this is an old one here, it's done by AEG and simply called Gods. And you can sit there and determine, oh, the power of your church and your worshiper base determines the level of the god and how high of um, uh, level spells he can grant to his followers. The other one is right over here. I have both hard and soft copy because I'm like that. Uh-huh. It is called, and it is by Dragonwing Games, Lore of the Gods PFRPG Edition, which means it's from Pathfinder First Edition. And in it, and I've already used it, uh, Bruce, this is the book that I used to help make the Saints for that old Friday game, uh, Saints Say and all them. Okay. Because they have rules on how to imbue mortals with godlike power. Um, in this book, you have the four, the four uh, religions that you can draw from are Egyptian, Greek, Mesopotamian, and Norse. Mm-hmm. And they even have things like not just the gods, but, you know, spells that they would use. And there is a monster, well, bestiary is what they call it. And it has all the old monsters and creatures and whatnot that you had. Let's say the god, you know, acts through moral agents. Oh, this Greek god, you know, he's he's angry at this this particular city. He sends a tribe of cyclopses into the city. So they would have stats for that. And just um, Nidhogg, Dark Dragon of Nippelheim, if you want, you know, some Norse action. You know, and it's a... Did I say hot Norse action? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, because we can't play that song here because it's not pod safe. Um, and they've got... And, and in the bestiary, they, be, they have a... Hariar and Valkyrie stats, which are just basically the the Norse warriors and the 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 uh, warrior queens of Norse mythology. They've got stats in that already. So yeah, not just gods, but their well minions, creations, what have you, can be used. And those are just two publications that I've used to help bring a touch of well deity action adventure into a game. And as I, as I said, when we when you brought up you know, when we decided on this subject, yeah, I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's not just the gods that would come in. Often the gods would act through their agents, other personages and creatures in whatever pantheon they're in. Mm-hmm. Like the six, for Norse, the six-legged horse Sleipnir, and Hugin and Munin, Odin's two crows. And yeah, they're, those things are going to come up as well. And I mean, each pantheon has a bestiary of its own of various animals and creatures. You know, we get uh, uh, Scylla and Charybdis. They've got stats for, I think, both of them in the Pathfinder bestiary. So, I mean, 
Yeah, folks, if you want to bring the gods into your game, it's not just the gods themselves, but also their creatures and lieutenants and other races involved with that pantheon, which... They're pets. Pets, yes. <laughs> that just made me uh, think about it, because I was thinking about um, cats were considered yeah. at one time to be the incarnations of Bastet. Yeah. So you, oh, yes. Oh, no. Idea? I mean, there there was another. And sadly, the company went under this past year due to the pandemic and some other problems. Scorched Earth Studios and their Otherverse America campaign. Uh, you had various religions with, you know, tech help. So they had like, oh, we have this one that can help us. And it was actually a biocomputer. But one of the major races in that setting were people who basically through surgery and, and whatever turned themselves into humanoid cats to be followers of Bastet. <laughs> I can just and, see an adventure where a Bureau 13 team or, or so, who, whichever setting, but you're yeah. investigating some weirdness around a crazy old cat lady. And that's because she's the modern day high priestess of Bastet. Yeah. Could happen. <laughs> Where all of a sudden you're set upon, like, by every cat in the city. <laughs> every. Yeah. Oh, no, I could see that to be a problem where that's the best way they feel to fit in. And, you know, because of their, excuse me, relative lack of power, that's the best form that they can take. Yeah, they're here back on Earth. Yay, great. And they're in a form of a human being that most people wouldn't, well, what's the term, spit on her to put her out if she was on fire, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, homeless lady looking disheveled and somewhat crazy with a bunch of cats walking around with a shopping cart. Yeah, most people are just going to brush her off. And then you find out you're in a bureau team and you get a call for a city because you're a traveling team. It's like, this person was scratched to death. What do you mean? It looked like hundreds of cats attacked this, you know, drug dealer that tried to attack this old lady. Things like that could bring it in, you know, just... Mm. Or no, what would be another one? Um, Anubis with dogs. Um, you know, and just have somebody, you know, somebody come back as Anubis and summon a pack of dogs after you. Because, you know. Well, I was, I was thinking also of, um, <clears throat> to give an example, there's uh, one adventure that was in one of your source books about Cupid mm -hmm. interfering with uh, a, Brideville, a town. Brideville, USA. Yeah, I remember that one because I had a lot of fun running that one for my players because they were so confused. <laughs> couldn't understand what why mean, they. What kept, do you mean we're married? Couldn't now? understand why they kept hooking up with people they'd never met. <laughs> well, it just so happened that I had a, a, a almost equal amount of of male and female players that session. Yeah. So it literally worked out that okay, you two are married now, and you two are married. What? Yeah, yeah, you're married. Our characters hate each other. Now you love each other very That's much. Right. You still hate each other's guts. Well, you have issues, but it doesn't change the fact that you love each other, you know, deeply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you have your fights. <laughs> no, in this case, it was love. It was true, deep abiding yeah, love. Yeah, that's the point, that you fall deeply and completely in love with each other. They just still had issues with each other. <laughs> As I said in the story, in the actual adventure, I said that if they don't truly, you know, if they truly don't want to be married, they will fall out of love with each other eventually. You know, their passions will cool and stuff like that. But for the moment, they are deeply and utterly committed to each other in a romantic way. And it doesn't, you know, and the heart, heart wants what the heart wants. And it has nothing to do with what makes sense mentally. And just, and, and good role players will go with it. And so that's yeah. Why, why don't you why don't you tell the basic synopsis of that adventure? Because I remember bits sure, and pieces. Sure, sure. Okay. So, so what had happened was is that um, oh uh, uh you know uh, Cupid okay um uh, had uh was living in Las Las Vegas, but it it had oh, yeah. become such a um, caricature of love. I mean you know what stays in Vegas. It basically becomes such a tawdry place that he basically said, isn't there some place where, you know, people can really fall in love or whatever like that? And so this this town, you know, it, it was it was like in Ohio or someplace like that, and it was named something like Bridesville. And he said, I'm going to go there and make it real. 
I mean, what all the jokes I'm sure people are saying about that place, it's going to be a place where people can come and fall in love and be the real thing. And so he basically goes there and by his very presence, he just starts drawing in people who have a yearning in their heart to make a connection. And of course, everybody in town is making, you know, are, 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 are like that and they're already making connections. So, you know, and... Uh, and literally the just, you know, the people are coming from states away to see what's going on because, you know, is this real? Is this fake? Is this some kind of media thing? And when they get there, essentially the first person that they see that is acceptable to them based on their orientation, um, you know, and it doesn't, and age doesn't matter, physical, you know, um, you know, gender, uh, not gender, um, uh, ethnicity, uh, whatever doesn't matter, you know. Bang, you know, you'll they 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 lock eyes, their hearts leap to each other, and they start talking, and they start talking a, a little longer, and then they realize that someone will finally say, you know, I don't want this to end. What can we do about this? And someone will say, well, you know, there is a just a piece of this town, and for some reason they're open twenty four hours a day. This is we can get blood tests and get married and. And, and go back to your town or go back to my town and start a new new life together. And it's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's, you know, let's not, let's, let's let not let this be a missed opportunity. And so, and, and so of course, you know, the Bureau's like, okay, what kind of weird psychic, you know, um, domination is going on in this town? We got to put a stop to it. We got to figure it out. You, you know, it, well, yeah, because let's face it, if, if all of a sudden, you know, because we know that the computers and the divination, everything of the Bureau, they're going to pick up, wait a minute, we've had 35 weddings in this small 3, town called weddings in the past. Okay, in the last I, I, I week. just threw an arbitrary number. Yeah. Oh, no, that would change. Bridesville, this population Bridesville 800. Or and yet 4,500 weddings. There's some seriously fuzzy math right. here. So, we need to check and, this out. You know, I mean, it was always possible that they could have come to the decision that it really wasn't a bad thing and just let it keep happening, you know? But, you know, they, they didn't. They finally tracked it down, and they had a confrontation with uh, uh, with Cupid, and uh, he poses a, uh, uh, a contest. He said, you know, he says, if you win, then I will leave. I'll go somewhere else, and uh, and I promise I won't do this. Okay, if I win, then you leave me alone, and things keep going the way they are. And so uh, that's where the GM gets to decide whether he's going. You know, what can what can be done, and are there? You know, is it possible that I put in the actual scenario that that essentially uh, some other god steps in and screw <laughs> cheats. You know, makes the play makes the players win. Yeah, that's, so that's yeah. what happened in my when I ran it is one of the one of the PCs was a Catholic priest, so he was already right. immune to this effect. And then, yeah, he was uh, during this contest. He started praying to God, and he 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 got just the right role in exactly. his piety role to yeah. Oh look, <laughs> someone yeah. cheated so in your favor. Sudden, you know, the, uh, the at the mo at the critical moment. You know, it, it goes to the players and, and, and Cupid loses. Yeah, this was a case of a forgotten god, essentially. You know, he was there, but nobody was worshiping him. They worshiped love, but not him. So he was a he was kind of I don't know. He's he's this symbology is everywhere in Violent. Yeah, Day. I know. And he, he has a big oh, day. Yeah, yeah. Every year he has a big day. But he doesn't have what you'd call yeah. a uh, a worship base. Nobody's worshiping no, him. No. You know. As you no. say, he's not forgotten completely, but at the same time, he he and he was happy enough in Vegas to let things go as they were, except the fact is that they they commercialized it to the point where he just felt like they were just you know using him rather than you know a uh, uh, worshiping him. But he was a marketing ploy. He was you know he was there yeah. to sell. Yeah. Like you say, Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm there to sell you know paper cards. You know. Chocolate. chocolate, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's Flowers. nobody's worshiping me. Nobody's sacrificing. Hallmark ain't giving me a cut. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not getting anything yeah. out of this. So yeah. Anyways, and and Cupid, of course, is looking, going, 
my arrowheads aren't made of hearts and I don't wear a diaper. What's going yeah. on here? Yeah. And, they, and of course, we know they stole that out of the cherubs in, Christ, in Christian yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. religion. So, yeah. Because, of course, you, you don't want to include, if you're going to have a god of love or whatever like that, you don't want it to look like a, a, a Roman god. That's competition. you got to replace it with somebody like a, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, that's great. Uh, now... When I was doing my uh, the, my research on these forgotten gods and things like that, something came up that I thought was very interesting. Uh, and this was actually from the web pages where they talked about them. And they said that a lot of these forgotten gods have been rescued from obscurity by artists and by musicians. And they and this and they're so yeah. what they've done is they've taken these histories that nobody cares about and turned them into songs and turned them into artwork, which they then go and have and they promote. It's basically people promoting themselves using this this uh, intellectual property, but basically it still ends up on you know they they are still advertising and promoting the god that it's based on. And so this is how you can get like a forgotten God to suddenly come into resurgence because as you mentioned, Trav, what if they become really hot music group and, you know, pop culture? What if they become the next ABBA, okay? And they're singing songs about some, you know, Persian God or, or, uh, or um, Indian God or whatever, you know. You know, that's, uh, you know, the, the boy bands over in uh, Korea. You see the kind of influence they have. They can sell. Oh, no. B BTS, you know, BTS, from what I hear, is huge right now. They're all over YouTube yeah. and everything because of. Yeah, McDonald's yeah. can't keep their Happy Meals in stock because it's the BTS Happy Meal. I was just reminded of um, the uh, Adult Swim uh, cartoon Death uh, Metalocalypse with the, the band Death Clock, and I think it was like one of the early episodes, like number three or four, where they go to um, Finland and they awaken a lake troll by singing about it. Right, right. Yeah. So the point, okay. my point is that this is, this is what the historians are saying. They're saying, thank God for these people because they are promoting this history that I can't get anybody to listen to. I can publish these books all day long and they get, they get bought by university presses and stuck up on the shelves and no one reads them. But these people go and do art of them or they sing songs about them and these stories get out again to the world and people learn of these things and they think it's the greatest thing in the world in the world. And so does, and so does the forgotten God. <laughs> That's not a new phenomenon. That's been going on for hundreds right. of years. The, the world traditions and everything is yeah. passed down through song and lyrics and you know the poetry and stuff. That's how. Well, the Nordic bards called skulls. They did the same right. thing. That you know, many, many, many ancient cultures, oral tradition, including singing, was how they passed things down before they had written word. I would yeah. say though that the the advent of the internet has made this much more powerful today though because before yeah you had your wandering minstrels who would sing the songs of mm -hmm. their grandfathers and their great grandfathers but now any schmuck who can read a book can create a new story about Loki and Thor and suddenly it gets made into a movie and now you know a TV show and suddenly yeah, and, everybody and, across the internet can see it. And now, yeah. And, and now you got, you know, Norse mythology coming back big because mm -hmm. of stuff like the MCU. Exactly. And just, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure that over the past, let's see, Loki premiered in four, the first four movie. And I want to say it was like 2009, 2010. So over the past 11 years, I'm sure there's been a steady upswing of any anything and everything concerning Norse mythology, mm -hmm. because they want to read about okay, where'd they get these gods from? Yeah, you know Heimdall and Odin and Thor and Frigga and Loki and yeah, yeah. everything from books to merchandise, where the real money from the movie is made. Yeah, merchandise. It's, it's not even just merchandise from the movie. It's just the jewelry and stuff. Thor's hammer has become really big. Yeah, because that's the symbol for yeah. Asatru worshippers. They wear the upside-down hammer as a necklace. Yeah, and that's, like, most of my pagan friends own at least one Thor's hammer. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, even if they don't worship or you know because it's cool. Yeah, see, but that's a different. Well, then then we go back to Pop culture. mentioning versus full worship. Mm-hmm. If you're just mentioning or have that, yeah, that God's going to get a little power. But if you're a full blown, as I said, you said your pagan friends had it, even though they didn't, they weren't Asatru, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Asatru worshiper. He's yeah. full on worshiping Odin and Thor and Frigga and Tyr and yeah. Loki, and the gods getting a little more, a little more of the juice, so to speak, because this guy actually walks a walk and talks a talk. Um, yeah, and, right, and <laughs> I just got reminded. I'm sorry, uh, but I just got reminded one of the uh, during um, our one of our uh, live action role playing games um, when uh, was about the creation of new gods, and we actually had one of the characters was a basically a pr guy for gods oh okay. and that was his job was he was there to help help you gain your followers and i can oh. just see that occurring in like this kind of modern day setting with all these old forgotten gods starting to oh get no i I, I can see it now the guy there he's got the sunglasses the loud jacket the tie and he's there on his on his <laughs> cell phone yeah, babe, tell you what. Yeah, get get to that temple. Yeah, your people and my people will do lunch. Thanks, babe. Beautiful. <laughs> See you. Pretty much all the guy played it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't give him that direction. He just picked it up naturally. Oh, no, he with. took that ball and damn well ran with it. Yep, that those are the type of games I love when just somebody says, oh, look, let me just take this basket and skip down this trail. Yeah. And the infomercials that go along with it. Have you lost your mojo? <laughs> No, it's like Nobody it's like it's like a medical commercial. Have you lost your mojo and will live? Consult with your your spiritual counselor and see if so and so is right for you. Yeah. Side effects may include yeah you know depression, suicide. Well yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> or elation, Irregular. elation, impossible rapture. Irregular bowel movements. Ow. <laughs> what kind of gods are you talking about? Yeah. Hey, it happens. The god of bad Mexican food. Me and Perky Goth making, you know, the now oft-mentioned Maze World campaign is that the pre-Christian, all the gods, all these other religions, these old and forgotten gods we've been mentioning, and we put it on, uh, in the Fringeworthy uh, Portals books, we put it on the Purple Corn Earth, which I believe is negative 102 prime. And it's because these gods were, oh, these humans are getting too uppity with that science and technology stuff. We're going to knock him down a few prigs and bring magic and science that's been in stasis for 20,000 years back. So, yeah, that was a major thing about, you know, gods coming back on their own just because they saw they had vestiges of power left. And so they brought they they undid the stasis that was done 20,000 years ago. The good gods were the ones that came up with the maze world and took people, their dream selves and taught them. Okay, people are going to die in this, but you will help get them through it. So yeah, they had vestiges of power left because they were not worship. They weren't worship, but they had not been forgotten. Mm-hmm. But it's still the darker gods, you know, like Loki and uh, the Mayan god of death, Hun came, were still around, and they just had a wee bit more power, so they were able to kick off this apocalypse. The good gods last. Hail Mary shot was making the maze world and dragging the people's dream selves in. It worked. We're on our third campaign in that world. So, yeah. But no, God's interacting with with humanity at different levels. They could come back on their own just because they've been forgotten. So with their vestiges of power, that's why, you know, Bruce had mentioned about well, yeah, when they make they do a recruiting drive and it often ends up bad. Well, yeah, because they're coming in, you know, basically like a petulant child stomping up and down and saying, listen to me, you know, worship me. Yeah. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, worship me or else. Oh, yeah. That's always fun. All right. Okay, so um, the ways that you introduce forgotten gods, if I may summarize, is someone finds an artifact that somehow creates a connection between the ancient god and the person. And maybe the god will feed power through it to make that person important and then reveal, the the god will reveal he or herself or itself to that person and they will 
un, under the, you know, with the promise that if they promote them, the worship of them, then they will give them more power and they will increase their presence. And therefore it won't be just faith, it'll be real. You'll have real power. This is a this is kind of, you know, the uh, I don't know how the Cthulians kind of do it because the gods don't care. But somehow by doing the various rituals and things like that, you can still draw power from those extra dimensional deities. But so somewhere in the past, somebody <clears throat> had some way of connect, made, making these connections. But yeah, so artifacts are one way of doing it. Secondly is where a god uh, will go and do something because it, it tri something triggers, you know, makes some kind of a resonance with them. Or three... Uh, the god has been like locked away somewhere and someone breaks it loose, either, you know, in sorcerer container that they were in. They break a seal. Yeah, yeah, they break a seal or B, they just finally find their way out of that, you know, uh, 10,000, you know, mile long catacomb that you know, in extra dimensional space that they were been trapped for the last 10,000 years, you know, and they finally make it out or C, um, Somebody, you know, actually does the research and comes up with a enough information to actually, you know, uh, identify the god enough to when they go and start promoting it through saying, here's a story about a god or our music or our art or things like that. That, you know, and, and, the, and the people who say, this is wonderful, how spiritual this is. Oh, how I wish that this was true. And the god's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let's see what I can do about that. You know, four. That's just what does. Yeah. 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 Uh, four. Uh, it could be one of those things, you know, uh, to steal from life force where uh, the God is actually on an asteroid that's, that takes like four, you know, like a, a couple million years to go from the outer Oort cloud back to the Earth, near the Earth. And only yeah. at those times when it's close to the Earth can the God exist. Ex exert its uh, its influence upon the earth and then all of a sudden these kind of things start happening so proximity can also be something if the god is you know constrained in some way well yeah either spatial proximity or dimensional proximity like you said oh yeah you got locked in this 10,000 mile long corridor in extra dimensional space and yeah, all he needs to do is get out of that dimensional space. He's back in our plane, and hey, look, I'm you know back large and in charge. The stars are right. Yeah, yeah, and well, I believe uh, one of the two, and I'm going to say this, you know, one of the two good Hellboy movies, you know, with Ron Perlman in it, had where they the gods were coming through a portal, and that was you know the people that helped send Hellboy there were coming through to the earth and everything. Yeah. So it could be either spatial or dimensional um, proximity. Right. It can also be that some of the old, uh, the old gods actually decide to send out some of these lesser gods, you know, empower them and send them out as avatars with the promise that they'll be known, you know, for, you know, in their association. Just like we all know about Michael, the archangel. Okay? Yeah. And, and, the, and, and the very in some of the the archangels and even some of the arch demons okay <clears throat> i mean there's lots of other angels and there's lots of other demons in the mythology okay but nobody knows who they are but we you well, know so see, here we go again with with pop culture um bringing back essences of of mythology and religion Look at Supernatural and all the creatures that, you know, Michael and Castiel and Metatron. I believe yeah. Metatron was played by uh, Curtis Armstrong, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Wow. <laughs> he, well, was he was also played by, um, oh, gee, uh, the guy who played Snapes. Yeah, Alan uh, Rickman played Alan uh, Rickman in, in uh, Dogma. In Dogma, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, easily probably the best of the seven Jay and Silent Bob movies because it made you think. <laughs> but, um... Yeah. Buddy Jesus. <laughs> the Buddy Christ. Not the official name, just something we're kicking around the office. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. You do that so well. Uh, okay. But uh, anyways, the point is, is that gods can actually promote lesser gods, you know, to, sp you know, to spread, the, uh, to increase their worship as well. You know, it's like you, you know, I, 
you know, you, uh, uh, you know, you raise me up, I raise all boats kind of concept, you know, trickle down you theory. Know, all, all boats uh, rise at high tide. Yeah. Right. Well, trickle down, trickle down theory of, 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 uh, of, of spirituality, uh, enlightenment, whatever the point is, is it? So, uh, any other ways you can think of, uh, gods coming back into, uh, um, forgotten gods coming back because if they stay forgotten, they're not part of any game. Well, right. Um, right. You've already got, always got the um, like the time displaced, like some great hero from legend getting displaced in time and reappearing in modern day to carry on the the glory of their their god well, or mean, the god themselves. Yeah, Mar yeah mm -hmm. Marvel yeah. already did um, Hercules and Thor. Yeah. Um, yeah. DC, the closest thing they have is Wonder Woman, but that's just clay figure animated by Zeus himself, made by Hippolyta. But I don't think DC actually had. No, you are a minor deity, and you have come back to Earth. Not to my knowledge. Well, I mean, if you can't deal with, I mean, if, if you're powerful magicians and things like that in the past, and you can't deal with a deity, you know, you can't. If you can send it to the future, it's somebody else's problem. Yeah. Oh, so that wait can a minute. Another another way to bring forgotten gods and old gods back. And I'm reminded. I was thinking of comic books. Um. Granted, this is New Teen Titans character Raybon, Raybon? Raven <laughs> with her father Trigon the Terrible. Yeah, he was an old god back in the day and was worshipped. And of course, he was anything but a merciful god. He came in a human avatar form and impregnated Raven's mother. And yes, I'm going to come back to Earth through my, let's see, well, what's the term? My Cambian child. For those of you who don't know what Cambion is, that's a half-demon, half-human, which effectively that's what Raven is. She just keeps her stuff locked down where the two extra set of eyes don't appear, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, like half and well, for bestiary, it'd be half-infernal or half-celestial template on a... On a all, or all the immunities and all the and, and all the vulnerabilities, right? Oh yeah, and even Azimars <laughs> and Tieflings are simply okay. You have a little bit of demonic or angelic or deific blood in you. Demigods. Well, demigod. Yeah, oh well, yeah, demigods would be more if it's half and half. Yeah, that'd be the half celestial. But no, Azimar and Tiefling are more like back in the day, twenty generations ago. Your female ancestor was visited by an angel and well a little bit of that power has now come back in you but no no that's another way to bring them back through um and i'm blanking on the term and I'm, oh god i was raised catholic my aunt katie be rolling over great that's immaculate conception that's a term i'm looking uh -huh. immaculate conception okay Mm -hmm. to bring a forgotten god back well i mean after all zeus impregnated uh uh, uh, I think Perseus's mother by basically oh, turning Zeus into impregnated everything. But I mean, he turned into he turned into a golden shower and rained down upon her while she was trapped, you know, in in a cell because <laughs> because her father had the prophecy that her child was going to kill him. So he locked yeah. his daughter away. Zeus comes and overshadows her and uh, rains on her, and she becomes pregnant. Okay, wow. that's that's his that's. It's not exactly immaculate, you know, considering, but uh, I'm just saying is, is it certainly isn't what you'd consider the normal method. You yeah. Know? I, ignoring the execution, it would it would be Zeus who would say, well, I can take up that challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, challenge I, except hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they got, I mean, you know, they turn into swans. They turn all kinds of stuff. I'm trying to think of any other ways that you could bring in gods, and, and I'm surprised that you didn't come up with the Immaculate Conception. Oh, I'm going to come there, but as in a human form, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's yeah. see. You brought up scholars dredging up old information. Accidental summoning. Accidental summoning. Somebody does a spell wrong. Well, no, kitchen witches. Yeah. That's another. Oh, yeah. Kitchen witch accidentally. Oh, we're here to summon. We want to summon a spirit to help clean the house. What do you mean you just brought Hermes and he's going to do it really fast, but at a price? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And catching witches are a big thing in the Bureau. They're they're one of the major reasons why stuff like this gets out and about. Granted, usually it's demons that result, but hey, with the plethora of old and forgotten deities and mythological creatures that are present 
in our pop culture and in our public consciousness and throughout history. You have ample chance to, and ample methods, a myriad of methods, to bring said legends of mythology to your urban fantasy game, whether it be Bureau 13 or whatever. We have offered several methods by which you could do such an act and add this particular brand of awesome to your game. And we hope that, again, this is another thought experiment, folks. If you try this out, please, fans of Gaming on the Frontier podcast on Facebook, Bureau 13, Agents Everywhere on Facebook, uh, on our Podbean site, tritaxsystems.podbean.com. Feedback, 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 like I keep saying on this podcast. We want to know what you guys do with the ideas we throw out here. Um, because then we can play off it even more and say, oh, this person wrote in and said they did this, this, and this. And, I mean, we're not going to try to pick apart your stuff, but, I mean, we'll add our own experience to it. And remember, me, Bruce, and Jonathan, it's, it's darn near a century's worth of experience of tabletop role-playing and GMing. Of course, I do want to thank for, for joining us this evening with her input and everything. I do want, no, I'm serious. I want to thank you. Mm-hmm. You're looking at me like, yeah, whatever. No, I'm, I'm serious. Thank you for sitting in on this. Okay. And so... You're welcome. Yeah. And as I said, let us know if you guys try to bring in, or if you, if you find a new way to bring a god into a game or some mythological aspect into a game. Let us know on the forums that I just said. Heck, I, uh, are we still doing iTunes, Bruce? Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. Drop a comment on iTunes, and again, hit the as many stars as you can for liking this work that we put out. As I said, give us feedback on this, on how to bring mythology and forgotten gods into your Bureau 13 or other urban fantasy game. There will be more for you next week, but until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.